All right, hello bearable traders. Welcome to another episode of After Hours with Traders. Yeah, good afternoon everybody, or good evening wherever you are, and welcome. And we are here at the office with Brian. Addy is with us uh, from his home because he's COVID positive, so he has to quarantine. How are you feeling, Addy? I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, this is day five, I think. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to start trading again next week. Good, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I missed so. a lot of actions this week. I was jealous. I was looking at your recaps and getting jealous. I'm like, I, I could have done that too. Yeah, this yeah. week was interesting because uh, the volatility was interesting. There was a lot of news. And we're going to, in this session, we're going to talk about a lot of things, including what happened this week, the news in the financial markets. Uh, Federal Reserve interest rate change, where the market is going, and uh, yeah, talked with you know about one of the very some of the uh, news, some of the news. news that came up this week. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did the market do today, uh, Brian? Do you want to start? What do you think? What do you um, see? You know, the you know, it's definitely you could see rotation in the market, and we were talking about this in the chat room just before the end of the day. But uh, yeah, you could see, uh, you know, technology has been under a lot of pressure this week and it just continued today. And really the standouts for me were the, you know, the financials and the uh, energy sector that, uh, that seemed to hold up very well and, and you know, continue to push to, uh, to new <clears throat> recent highs. So, uh, so that was, you know, the, it was pretty obvious that money was leaving uh, tech and the high I have PE names and they were going into stuff like uh, energy industrials, that kind of stuff. Yeah, as of today, I think energy closed 10% for the week, uh, financial 5%, industrial 1.6%, and uh, all you know, consumer stables almost 1%. Everything else was kind of negative, including technology that closes uh, minus almost 5%. Adi, what's your take on uh, the market and this week? Yeah, just, just adding on on what... Uh... Brian said, I think we're, it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic going into next few weeks. Uh, we just have to see if the momentum will continue. Uh, it's obvious, like bigger money, bigger chunk of money, the big fund managers are looking after yields. So that's why the money is going into energy. You know, you're getting 5% dividend yield out of energy. You're getting 2.5% out of financial. So, um, you know, it seems like that's, that's, that's where the money is going. I'm both in JP Morgan... Um, uh, and I want to set up an energy trade for next week. So hopefully we'll see that momentum going into next week. So we'll see. Well, that's interesting because the financials and energy, as you mentioned, they have really high yields. Like Chevron is paying like 5-6% yields to the yeah. investors. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the PE isn't, isn't completely unreasonable, um, you know, compared to like a, you know, like a stock like Snowflake which is, uh, you know, have these really high multiples that have really been hit. So, uh, yeah, people are definitely, the fund managers, the, uh, you know, the professionals are really rotating out of the high PE names and uh, going into stuff that's just basically safety trades. I mean, they're like, uh, I, I was watching an interview, I think Kevin O'Leary was in there, and he was saying every time he's going into, because he has his own ETF, and it's like every time he's going into these uh, pension funds to their to their board meeting, and he mentions Chevron, he mentioned any oil companies. They're like, we can't touch it because they have all they have this ESG mandate now that doesn't allow them to invest in oil companies. 
So all these oil companies have to bump up their dividend yield. They're basically paying you to own their shares and to invest in them. So it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. What is ESG mandate? The um, environmental, sustainable. Social and governance. Yeah, it's, it's a new thing that's coming into investing. So a lot of these pension funds uh, want to make sure that they have that ESG mandate as in, well. In the sustainable. But well, it's interesting because the company that I was working before, it was all about carbon uh, capture and carbon co- conversion. But actually, the oil company is very investing in these technologies. So a lot of these oil companies now investing in sustainable energies because first of all they know they're probably going to be obsolete in the next uh, uh, few decades and the money that they have and you know they should reinvent in that but yeah chevron might i wouldn't be surprised if in the next 10 years would be instead of an oil company would be a leading sustainable energy company who knows uh, yeah no they're definitely shifting some money and some of their investments into um into ESG, more environmentally friendly fuels. So, yeah, I mean, they can see the writing on the wall. So, yeah, I can see you can see that uh, they're going to be shifting their business models a little bit. Uh, here's a funny stat, Andrew, for you. Who do you think is the biggest investor in Beyond Meat? We, we make fun of Beyond all the time. <laughs> uh, should be energy uh, energy company. No, it's it's Tyson Meat. Tyson, yeah. Oh, meat company. Yeah, that's a very good analogy. The yeah. biggest meat packing company in the world are actually investing in uh, alternative meat uh, company. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, who knows really who's behind that? that did we have any uh, historical situation like this that the interest rates are rising and we get such a pullback? I think Adi, you came up with some uh, back in 2016 and 18. We had some sort of a drop. Uh, um, do, are we going to see a 10-15% drop like back in 2016 or 18? Maybe we can put the charts later in the video. Yeah, so this was, this was something I, I mentioned in my session in, on Tuesday in the chat room as well. Like January is usually very more volatile on average. Uh, 2018, we saw a 10% pullback. 2016 on a bigger cap names, we saw a 10% pullback. Uh, and it, this scenario here is very similar to 2018. Fed, it seems like it's, a, it's, it's kind of trapped. I saw a really interesting chart uh, the other day. We could put it in the screen as well that shows when unemployment was so low and inflation was so high. So uh, in one hand, the Fed has met one of his mandate, which is low unemployment. <laughs> but on the other hand, the other mandate, which is, uh, you know, 2% inflation is, is, is way out of the park. So they're, they're, they're kind of trapped. They have to start raising rates aggressively. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, up to a 10% uh, pullback, but it, it's, it's so unpredictable. Like, I don't want to say something and then next week we're rallying and I look like an... Uh, yeah, that would be a billion dollar answer if anyone knows exactly what's yeah. going to happen. Uh, but do they ha- do they, are they running out of ammunition, the Federal Reserve, to... Uh, to keep the markets high? That's a question. So they have to increase interest rates. And if the question is, if these increase rates are usually small, like, uh, you know, how much is it? Like a quarter percent, half a percent? Does it have a huge impact on the economy or the banks? I don't, I'm I'm not sure it has this huge impact. I think a lot of it is psychological. You know, people were expecting eventually the interest rates would start to come up and and now we're getting it and, and everybody's sort of following the same playbook. Um, you know, it's not to say that the markets can't, can't continue to go up in a rising interest rate environment either. I mean, when you th- consider where we are in terms of the interest rates, 
um, usually a rising interest um, rate environment is when economy is strong. So, um, you know, you could make an argument both ways, but certainly in the, in the short term right now, you know, we're, we're getting that sort of uh, reaction, negative reaction, especially with uh, the technology stocks. So everyone's, everyone's reading from the same playbook and they're doing the same things and the markets are behaving, you know, as everyone expects because we're all doing the same thing. So Federal Reserve, the Feds have two mandates, keep the employment low and inflation, uh, sorry, employment high and uh, inflation low. But now they're stuck in between these two. So one of them is going up, one of them is really low. And, uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I thought you, you want to say Federal Reserve has two mandates, keep 1% richer. <laughs> I thought that's coming. And just uh, pop this market. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. We're going to see in the next couple of uh, weeks uh, to see. How's the USD dollar? USD was a strong yesterday, but... It, uh, it dropped today. Man, uh, it dropped hard today. today. Uh, it dropped pretty what hard. What was that? Uh, well, it was it was a response to the um, the week. I think it was a response to the weaker jobs number. Basically, the number of jobs that were created was about half of what everybody expected. So you know, we got a, a drop in the U.S. dollar. So, um, but <clears throat> and then of course uh, some of the emerging market stocks did well today. Gold did okay. It was green. At least it was green. But so kind of a, a bit of a, again, predictable reaction, but the dollar has been very volatile. It looked like it was going to break out, then it started to break down. Now it's, it looked like it was going to break out again, then we had a down day today. So it's really been all over the place. Yeah, I see 1% up and down in US dollar. Mm. That's a lot for a currency yeah. just moving it's a on. a lot of move. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into the Bitcoin in the next section because those... Uh, Crypto assets are also really volatile. Adam, you want to move to ARK and Cathy Wood? Do you have anything on the, f the first part, yield inflation uh, market? No, nothing. But uh, I saw a really interesting chart, if you would put it on the screen. I think that's that's really useful as well. It's, it shows the correlation between the liquidity in the market and how the S&P usually perform. Uh, so, you know, whenever you see a little bit of liquidity crunch, Rates coming out, Fed Fed rates uh, going higher, or like their open market operation uh, is slowing down. You you see there is that negative correlation. So I think that's interesting. Um, so the chart says that actually the market is going down. Yeah, the stock versus bond year over leading indicator. That one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's not good news for me because I'm <laughs> leveraged long. Anyways, uh, let's talk about Arch and Cathy Wood. So Cathy Wood was a superstar. She was a superstar in the last couple of years with the returns that she had on her funds. And Arc, uh, A R K K, is you know the one that's uh, it's just emerging technology sector, but it's not doing well at all. And uh, we want to talk about that. Uh, she, uh, it was trading like at eighty-four dollars per share. What's your take on that, Graham? <clears throat> well, no, I think it it really, you know, it sort of epitomizes her, uh, you know, what's been going on in the market. Um, when Kathy Wood sort of made a splash on the scene and got really popular, she was in. She was early into some of these, uh, you know, high tech no earnings companies, but you know, everybody was piling into them. And so her performance was fantastic. 
um, you know, and stuff like uh, Snowflake and Palantir and, you know, and some of the meme stuff like uh, Robin Hood. Uh, everybody was piling into them and, and she was benefiting. Now we're getting the opposite, which we've already talked about uh, at length here, is that everybody's getting out of them. They can't get out of them fast enough. And of course, as fast as her portfolio went up, uh, now it's going down probably even faster. So, you know, because uh, bulls take the stairs and bears take the take the window yeah. so so I think yeah she's really uh, she's now she's in the wrong space um, and she's invested heavily in that so uh, I think she has Tesla she's uh, she has yeah. a lot of cryptocurrencies in there and is she in Robinhood too she I'm pretty sure she had Robinhood uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah so and and she invested in some of these which was a little bit surprising she invested in some of these right out of the gate I mean maybe she got some some from in the initial public offering, but she also invested in them right when they came out, and a lot of them didn't perform very well after the, their you know their IPO debut. A lot of them sold off. So who she was in? I think she was in Coin uh, right when it came out. She yeah. Uh, coin that was the that was the one I was thinking about that she she basically grabbed a lot of Coin right out of the gate, and of course it sold off. So yeah. You know, and yeah, we'll talk about Bitcoin in a minute, but yeah, so. Yeah, I think the problem she's in now is she's selling a lot of her Tesla shares to buy back these companies at a lower share price. So she's averaging down. <laughs> <laughs> she is, because she does uh, report her trades every day. So she's selling a lot of Tesla, buying Hood at a lower price, which could work out in the long run. Um, but there was an interesting chart when you look at like the fair value of where the majority of volume is buying ARK, it's, I think the average is about $100. So majority of investors on ARK are losing money. And right. it's, I did some research before, before, the, before the show and I compared this to Peter Lynch. You know, we know Peter Lynch as this legendary investor, but exactly the same thing happened to Peter Lynch. So Peter Lynch had a monster year, had a 70% return, then the next year, negative 30%. So a lot of people after that 70% return jumped in, gave their money to Peter Lynch. And then when a couple of bad year return came, they pulled their money out. Nobody really stayed. So when you when you hear that legendary 25% compounded annual return is if you were with Peter Lynch from the start to, to the very end. And I think the same thing's happening with Kathy Woods. A lot of people are hyping into her funds. And I think since last year, she's only had net outflows. So people just pulling out their money. Oh, so uh, Peter Lynch in 1980, he got 73%, 72%. And then the next year he was down 23%. That's a huge fluctuation. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know if you can call it luck or not, but you have to look at it consistently. I mean, uh, Kathy Woods, she mentioned in one of her interviews about the low performance of her fund. And she said that... Uh, when you're looking at emerging technologies, your time zone time frame has to be three to five years at least. You cannot look at it year to year return. And she is has she does have a point because her mandate is emerging technologies, and emerging means not not like oil and gas and infrastructure there, and they're making money. And then you know you're looking at something in the next five years to be commercialized really shows the potential. But obviously, it's a very bad return. For for investors, yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she, her her premise is that she's investing in disruptive technologies, yeah. something that's you know it's not going to change the world tomorrow, 
um, or in a week or month, but you know, five years out, it's going to change the way we do things, whatever sector we're in. So, yeah, I mean, she—that's her argument that this is a, a really a long-term play. But uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's her time frame, not investors' yeah. time frame. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, so, you know, we're we're in an age where you know we want it now, or we want it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, I'm a long-term investor in IWM. <laughs> I believe in all of those 2,000 companies. <laughs> when you're stuck in a train, you become a long-term <laughs> investor. Oh, my God. So, uh, Abby, anything else from this part? Should we go to the next part, which is crypto? No, yeah, just wishing her best of luck. Uh, it's probably a very stressful time right now. She's getting a lot of angry calls from... Yeah, I'm sure. Is it, uh, it seems that uh, these raucous the superstars in Wall Street they they have a time that they come and go. Like Chamat had a really good 2020 with his specs, but he's now a little bit uh, quiet because his specs are not doing really well. And apparently, this market is does it's just Wall Street is exactly like market really humbles you. You know you can't uh, be too much into yourself after a couple of good years. You always have to yeah. sit down and. Uh, uh, there, there's a really good quote I like. It says, "There's no gurus in the market, just cycles." Cycles, yeah, I like that. And this, and you know, it, I, I've learned this over the years so many times. When when you start get it feeling really good about you know your portfolio or your positions, and you're thinking, I, you start feeling invincible. That's that's when you you know the hair should stand up on the back of your neck, and you should be, you know, okay, you know, I'm about to get hit by a train. This is the feeling. This euphoria of being right and, you know, being, you know, your portfolio is up so much. This is, the, you know, the, the train's coming down the, the tunnel and, you know, it's just, gonna, you're going to get hit. So many times I've found that, you know, when I start feeling good, start feeling confident, that's, that's usually when, when I get uh, sideswiped and didn't expect it. So. It's so, I remember last year, Brian, you were trading and you were like, it's getting too easy. Like at the time of these, and you're like, it's never a good feeling. When it's getting yeah, easy. That's right. It's, yeah. it's never a good feeling when Something it's too wrong. easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bitcoin and crypto assets. I think Ethereum by end of today, January seven. I mean, dropped another ten percent to three, almost three thousand. Bitcoin is uh, hanging out around forty thousand dollar yeah. from the high of sixty nine thousand dollar. So what's what's happening with these uh, crypto assets? Weren't they supposed to be the store of value and be independent of uh, fiat currencies and federal reserves? Yeah, it's um, you know I think it just goes along you know with the whole risk on risk off, you know. And I think uh, at the end of the day, Bitcoin was a bit of a, a risk on asset, and and uh, I I'm not sure if there's anything more to that. I mean, it could be that. This this precipitous drop could be triggering some uh, some margin calls or stuff like that. But uh, yeah, usually when you get hard selling like that, it actually I'm looking at this chart that you gave us. It kind of it's a it's a pretty nice looking head and shoulders, and we're right we're on we've gone through the right shoulder of the head up to sixty nine thousand, and now we're back down on the on the bottom side of the left shoulder. So I think we're at a pretty critical area here. Yeah. It was very interesting. Uh, I have a question for, for both of you gentlemen. Uh, El Salvador, what are they going to do? Are, are, if they ask for a loan from IMF, should IMF give them a loan? Or? I mean, the fact that uh, I, you know, the president of a, co a country 
is buying the fucking dip and he mentions that in Twitter. It's not my term, it's his term. On his phone, because someone also added tweet to me, how are you doing that? He said, by my phone. Buying the deep of a volatile asset with a nation's fund, it just seems to me very not normal. There is something seems to be wrong doing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, El Salvador is probably the first country that has adopted Bitcoin as their currency. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's doesn't seem like a good idea for other countries to adopt like something like this volatile. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not stable. It's, um, you know, that uh, most countries want a, a, a stable currency, something they can, you know, depend on that they're going to, you know, that the value of their currency is going to be the same a week from now than it is, um, you know, a month from now. So just uh, didn't make a lot of sense. And probably, I, I don't know where the, where El Salvador made that announcement. I think it was the beginning of the year, wasn't it? I think it was 45,000, 46,000. It was around there. Was it around 46,000? Yeah, so they've kind of done round trip. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it seems, again, it seems too volatile to me to be a, a, you know, a legitimate currency at this point. Or even as an asset, uh, I mean, I know Ray Dalio, I was watching one of his... Uh, interviews uh, and he mentioned that there is no intrinsic value in cryptocurrencies as uh, yeah there is no intrinsic value there is a speculative value that you can buy and sell but there is really there's is there any value in real in cryptocurrencies even even like ethereum or cardano didn't get the applications for you know the transactions they didn't really pick it, pick up did it well i think ethereum ethereum has some some inherent value in in the execution of smart contracts and that kind of stuff but but bitcoin was i don't think was ever designed for that it was it was always essentially going to be a currency um you know an alternative currency so <clears throat> and you know and and again it, there's nothing underpinning it like when you have a fiat currency you've got You've got a government that's sort of standing behind the currency, you know, albeit what, whatever type of government it is. But, you know, with uh, with Bitcoin, really, the value is what the next person's going to pay for it. So, yeah, that's interesting. Because, uh, definitely Twitter is really funny about the memes about the cryptocurrencies and what the hell. Yeah. I wonder what is Dogecoin at right now. It must be. Ten cents or something. Huh? Well, yeah, I, I always laugh because you know, because didn't didn't Elon Musk talk about using? He wanted to use Bitcoin to buy buy his cars. Like, how are you, how are you going to price that? You know, we could. When it's and then a, he built on that. Yeah. And he said it's yeah. because uh, China is. So he pumped yeah. it up, and then he said, you know what? Yeah. We're not going to accept it anymore. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then but it would yeah. have to keep changing. The car's price would have to keep changing every day. Otherwise, he'd be taking. If he priced it at sixty nine thousand, he'd be taking a bath. If it now it's down at forty six, exactly. he's still paying his employees in U.S. dollars. Last time I checked, so yeah, exactly. So it's a very interesting time to see, and a really interesting time. So COVID cases, uh, everyone is getting this new Omicron. Ali has it. He's sitting there, but healthy. Surprisingly, the hospitalization rate has been low. I know there's one million people like three days ago uh, had uh, COVID in US. I know a couple of our members, like Mike, he got positive, Ryan is positive, and I think Ed is probably positive. 
So, but the hospitalization is significantly low. It is lower. The, the concern is because so many people are getting it, there's always going to be a small fraction of people that are going to end up in the hospital. You know, so if there's, a, you know, instead of 100,000, a million people get it, they may, the hospitalization still may go up for people that are more vulnerable, I guess, if you want to call it that, because people die of the flu every year and it's, you know, it's always a small fraction. It's just, it's going to be a function of how many people how many people get it, but hopefully, yeah, we won't see a rise in hospitalizations because that's, that's really the issue. But the interesting thing is, and I was listening to st some stuff this morning about how, how it's affecting uh, businesses and not just businesses, schools, um, hospitals, a lot of people are getting sick from this and they're staying home. I think, I think it was uh, Chicago was saying like 25% uh, of their, their teachers or their um, in, uh, school of, staff were off because of uh, they were sick with uh, COVID. So I mean, you know, in the airlines, of course, everybody's probably heard about the heard the headlines about the airlines having to cancel flights because uh, because they can't get staff because they're sick. So this is really having this is having more of a I think more of an economic impact. Um, and you know, I'm, we're hoping that this is just uh, again, you know, I guess Powell stopped using the word transitory, but. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe hopefully this is just a transitory thing where it's just going to blow through the population. Not too many people are going to get, you know, seriously ill and, uh, and, and we'll move on. But in the, in the very short term, we're going to see a lot of disruption again with, with businesses and, uh, and public, uh, you know, the public sector as well. Yeah, the, the flight's been crazy because uh, my girlfriend coming back she her flight got canceled three times so she had to stay in the u.s for like two extra days wow yeah wow uh, speaking of flights i saw that airlines were really strong today american airline was reaping today yeah uh, boeing yeah. you know i mentioned boeing last week is a good uh, trade for the coming year i think that's um you know no matter what the airlines do and I, i'm always a little bit skeptical about investing in airlines because they they seem to lack the ability to make money, but uh, you know Boeing's always going to make money. So Boeing was up today as well. Uh, some of the the casino stocks were did well today. So um, yeah, so I think anything that's sort of look if you're looking further forward and you're, you know, we're all hoping that we'll, that this latest variant will blow through and we'll get back to something that's a little bit more normal um, in the coming uh, months. Then, uh, then you want to be looking at things, recovery trades, if you want to call them that. Excellent. Uh, and uh, now the last part, Elizabeth Holmes, Stanford student. Which actually, she was a dropout that started a company and uh, she defrauded investors and doctors and scientists in the trial. She got convicted. So what's the story on that? Ali, do you know about her? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting that Turnus was, it's, it's such a, for, I think for three, four years, it was this stellar unicorn, a company that hasn't gone public, planning to go public. Uh, she was on Jim Cramer. Uh, Jim Cramer called her the most disruptive company coming in. Uh, she did a speech in front of U.S. Navy and she started crying and she said, I'm doing this for all you guys. So it like overall, I think it was a very interesting topic for us not to talk about because the level of manipulation some people say she didn't even know she was trying her best 
but some argue, I mean, of course, the court obviously argued that, no, she knew that she was frauding the investors. Uh, okay. I, I think it just it just highlights the lack of due diligence because, like, Nicola had investment from GM and she had partnership lined up with Walgreens for something that wasn't even working, for not even an MVP, not even a prototype. So I think it's, it's very interesting. My, my prediction is she's going to go to jail for a few years and then she's going to fail up, come back, write a book, uh, become a celebrity, uh, similar to Jordan Belfort, you know, from Wolf of, Wolf Wall, of Wall Street. Street. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, so, it is interesting. So the story was that her technology, which was apparently a chemical uh, uh, device, medical device for blood sampling, they were just making up some uh, results and then sending it to doctors. Yeah, yeah. So it was supposed to be a really small machine that anyone could have at their home or at a pharmacy. You just get a one pinch of blood, and within ten minutes, it will tell you if you have cancer, if you have this uh, proposition to this disease, to that disease. But what's been happening is every time people ask her for proof, she would take the blood and she'll be like, "Oh, machine's not working right now," and then send the blood work to the lab and then give, present the lab result as if her machine did it. But it, it wasn't the case. She was just sending it to the lab. Uh, and she yeah. had so many employees working for her. Uh, it, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, I think it's just, it's just amazing to me, like you said, that um, you know, so, many, so many companies can bring forward products and you know, to large companies, you know, like, uh, like when you were talking about um, the, the the car company and they and they don't uh you know you'd think they would do a lot of due diligence but you know you would think walgreens would have uh would have deep dived on on inner technology a little bit rather and they apparently they just took it at face value so i guess you know some people just want to believe that uh that there is this great new technology out there and they want to be first in and they don't want to they don't want to hear about the you know, they don't want to hear, they don't want to look at it too closely. They just want to think they're in on the next big thing. Here's another thing that I think there is a big formal also in institutional be, investors yeah. as well. Like we were speaking about Cathy Woods. I mean, when everyone is buying in Tesla, when everyone is buying in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it's really hard to be a fund manager to, for disruptive technology and don't buy into this because, you know, it's just the formal that you're getting. I, I've done the people who just rush to buy Dogecoin at 70 cents. I mean, they had all this FOMO that it's going to go up. This is it. Elon Musk is going to talk about it in, you know, in, in TV. And, you know, I'm sure institutional investors all have the same thing that I got to invest in that. And that's the risk that comes with investing. But it's, it's amazing that how easy it is. Yeah. You, know, you know, maybe in the stock market is a little bit regulation, but in the crypto market, every once in a while, there is one person comes with an altcoin or shitcoin and promise something. And a lot of people buying it, you know, they form a small community, community of, you know, Ripple traders or community of Dogecoin traders, and they try to uh, pump it up. Uh, uh, very interesting. Yeah, I, I almost feel like we're getting to a point of a bit of exhaustion here. You know, there's only so much money that can go into something. So, you know, people keep putting new stuff out and eventually that marginal buyer just, there, there's just no more money left. <laughs> That's why we need Federal Reserve to make more money for yeah. us. Yeah. So we can buy Dutch yeah. at 75 cents. I mean, it works in the... You're absolutely right, Brian. Like compared to last year, that buy the dip mentality, the pullbacks are not being bought back the way they yeah. were last yeah. year. 
Yeah, we're just not seeing it. I don't think, yeah, there's just a little bit of a lack of confidence now that, uh, you know, that, that dips are always going to get bought. So that sort of feeds on itself, that mentality. Definitely, either of you, dips are not being bought back up at all. That's for sure. I mean, SPY is getting bought back up well, but yeah, definitely the uh, small caps, the companies who have a lot of debt in their balance sheets. Yeah, nobody wants to touch them. There was something that I wanted to know, uh, I wanted to discuss. They said that the only five, six companies taking the whole market up, like those FANG stocks. Isn't it crazy that the whole market, the, the SPY is just being taken away by Google, Facebook? Uh, uh, well, it's certainly, it's a thing that's happening. I mean, you can, you can look at market internals, what we call market internals. Um, stocks that are above their 50 moving average, stocks that are above the 200, new highs, new lows for the day. And you can look at that and see that, uh, you know, the market internals, there are a lot of stocks that are below their 50 and 200 day movings average. But then you get these, you know, mega cap stocks, they, they have to, they go up a buck and they push the, the index up. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a fact. And so it's, you know, it's just recognizing where the money continues to flow and flow into and where it continues to flow out of. Yeah, it's, uh, I think a really good diversification tool is equally weighted um, S&P 500. I think uh, Invesco has a product, RSP, it's S&P 500, but equally weighted. So like last year, instead of 29%, they returned 20%, but you had reduced your systematic risk dramatically because you're not 50% Apple, Google, uh, Facebook. So that's that's one way of kind of diversifying against that. RSP. Yeah. So it's, it's just 500 companies all gets equal weight. Get it instead of being market cap weighted. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's excellent. That's that's good to know. That's, uh, yeah, definitely. Does it have a leverage product too? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll check right, it. Drexian <laughs> probably has one. <laughs> oh. He's like an addict. He can't, he can't take enough of this uh, levered product. Oh, uh, just lever it up. Just, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right. So I don't have anything else to discuss. Uh, no, I think uh, that's it. I mean, I'm going to go uh, skiing for the weekend. We've got tons of snow in the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb. Yeah. Last weekend, I was also in Whistler. It was tons of snow. Tons of snow. It was like really February. It was just tons of snow. And yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely... It's a good time to be outdoors. Yeah. So, thanks for you. What's your plan for the weekend? Oh well, um, I don't know. Taking the Christmas tree down, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah you you are uh, you're having a uh, isolation plan. That's probably. Yeah, I think a couple more days, and then I should be good to go. Hopefully Monday, I can start trading. Back I see Pol- Peloton behind you. How's that? Uh... Yeah. So. This is a great uh, clothing rack. I like it. Uh, I think I think the stock is oversold now. So you see. What is it? Uh, what is it trading at now? It was it was really it was it's, in, 40, it's around forty forty five dollars now, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. There's your hot tip for Monday morning, Peloton. Peloton, yeah. <laughs> Artie's got one. <laughs> it's got to be good. Well, thank you so much, Variable Traders. Really appreciate it. It was a really wild week. I managed to trade almost, yeah, I tr- trade all of the uh, days. And uh, yeah, looking forward to trade Monday morning. Hopefully, Ali would be uh, back, back in, in the office. If not, uh, you know. We'll back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Yeah. 
So everybody, have a good weekend, whatever you plan on doing. But do get out, get, have, um, get some exercise, enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll see you all on uh, Monday morning. Thank you. Bye.